most competitive guy. I, I mean, I would throw on Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant. It's basketball. It can't be, you know, you, you can't overthink it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another edition of King and Foster. Jimmy King and Terry Foster. Tom Mazaway in our studios in Farmington. Welcome into another week. We're all uh, still battling the coronavirus out there, social distancing, the whole nine yards. So the boys are safe at home. We'll talk to Terry Foster first. What's up, T. Foss? No, I'm just happy to be, be in my basement again. I haven't been able to come down here for like two weeks because we had my daughter quarantined down here. She's been gone for a week, and so I'm back in my cubbyhole. Where happy is she? Did she, she go back to school? No, she's um, she's taking online classes from her bedroom now, and sometimes she okay. comes in the basement. So she I go love back. it. I love it. Well, I'm glad you're back. And we got Jimmy. Jimmy, look, I got a fresh cut, man. You got a fresh fade. Yeah, what's what's up, to, man? I had oh, to trim man, it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I had to trim it up a little bit. It was getting too bushy. Even though I would line it up and trim it up, I had a nice little line a little bit, but it was just getting a little too bushy, so I cut it off. Plus, I'm in the great state of Texas, oh. where I got some great sunshine. I'm in the kingdom, the household I of I love it. the great Jimmy King Sr. and Nyoka King, so they're hosting their youngest I love it. For a couple of he days. looks like he's about four years old. He, he does. He looks like little Jimmy King again. <laughs> That's right. I feel like I feel like little Jimmy King. Hey, how much fun was it the other night watching the the Jordan and the Bulls special? Uh, I'll start with you, Terry. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a uh, you know a, a, a good start to the uh, documentary. Of course, we are waiting for this weekend because, we, <laughs> as we know. It's going to be the bad boy Pistons and how the Bulls got bad by them and and the Jordan rules and all that stuff. But the thing that I'm most interested in, I want to see how they're going to treat the, the walkout. Yeah. You know, the Pistons walked out on the Bulls and uh, Jordan didn't like it. Pippen didn't like it. America didn't like it. But there's two ways to portray this. They could just say, hey, it was a tough series or a tough rivalry and the Pistons just walked out on them. But they need to, in my mind, they need to play the whole thing. They need to tell us what happened the day before yep. when Michael Jordan dogged the Pistons. And I, and I was right there. He was in the risers at the Palace. And, man, he just killed them. And, and I think his words not only were uh, to you know get frustration off his chest, but his words were meant to destroy the Pistons so that that group of players would never come back to challenge the Chicago Bulls, and it worked. And, and not only that, felt- he takes Dennis Rodman away years later. Right, and he got John Sally too. Yep, that's right. Jimmy, what's your take on him? I agree. I think they should tell the whole story. Um, obviously, you don't want to start uh, or uh, it's like uh, basketball where the foul is usually called on the player who retaliates, but it doesn't oh. always tell the story. So, um, yeah, I, I do want to see, uh, and, and I think what people forget about is really the true, uh, bad blood that the Pistons and, and Chicago had between them. I mean, those were, those series, I remember watching those series and, you know, they, they will crumple Michael Jordan up in the lane. I mean, he, he couldn't move freely. 
Anytime he moved, he got an elbow, a knee, a, a, a hand, um, a, a forearm. Like the, he, he just couldn't move, and they would not let him breathe. And um, and, and the, what I remember most, particularly, is when Jordan decided to do put it in his own hands and start doing weight training. And I remember that changed the landscape of basketball forever because Jordan decided to get stronger and lift weights, and then everybody started lifting weights after that. Yeah. Hey, Terry, I want to ask you, now is this a Chuck Daly idea, or was it the guys like Lambeer and Isaiah getting together and saying, look, the only way we're going to beat this guy is to actually beat him? Oh, are you talking about the Jordan rules? Yeah. I, I think uh, Chuck Daly and his assistants created the plan, but I think the players said, okay, this dude is out of this world. What do we do about it? And the Coaches got together and came up with a game plan that would fit what the Pistons could do well. And one of the things they did, and this is probably illegal, but you know, Jimmy talked about him not getting space. They used to put that elbow in his chest so Jordan couldn't go up here and he could only maybe go you know a couple of feet high. So I mean, they had a <laughs> lot of things they used to do to him. But yeah, That's the coaches phenomenal. devised the plans, but the players put the put it in their ear. We need to do something with this guy. Now take it further, Terry. Now what happened? What did Jordan actually say about the Pistons that day before we walked? Okay, the the day before they walked, uh, you know, Jordan had a bunch of us reporters around. He said that they were bad for basketball, that they were bad champions. Um, you know, th- those are two of the things we can't let this happen again. Bad for the league. Uh, these are poor champions and poor representatives of our league, and we need to get rid of them. Wow. Basically, is, is what he said. So, um, uh, he he won, he won that one. Jimmy, go off of that now. Yeah, there was some uh, some serious haterade going on with Jordan at that time, but I felt him. I mean, it was he was tired of getting beat up. He was tired of uh, the the style of basketball he felt. Um, was was bad for basketball and i remember when that happened i remember the article i remember the fallout from that and uh uh and and i liked it because i was just like you know it's just it's it's two guys or two teams who don't like each other and that was the rivalry rivalries that we were used to you know we today's rivalries are you know they're they're a little bit more friendlier Uh, we were used to you know the knockout Drag out like the, the serious like air jacks in your face style yeah. basketball, and um, you know that was really the end of it. That that was the last that we ever saw of of that type of angst towards each other, in my opinion. I want to ask you, Jimmy, uh, as a Fab Five guy, you guys are all together. Who are you emulating? Are you emulating Jordan or are you emulating Isaiah and the Pistons? Who'd you guys root for more? We were emulating the Pistons, bad yeah. boys all day. Yeah. I love bad it. boys for life. Yeah, we were we were representing the Pistons, and and um, you know we the influence that they had. A lot of people don't realize that obviously Detroit being thirty minutes from Ann Arbor, the Pistons used to come to Ann Arbor and practice with us. So before we even stepped on in a organized practice at the University of Michigan with us coming straight out of high school, we were playing the bad boys. We were playing Isaiah and Joe and Rodman and McGuire and LaBeer 
and Sally and Buddha. Like we played them every day. And that was the start of our mentality. We knew that, you know, we were good enough to take the world champions, you know, to the last second. But we also understood that there was another level that we had to learn because regardless of what the game situation was, when they decided to kick it to another gear, there was nothing we could do about it. And so that's why we wanted to emulate being able to manage a game and then turn it on when we need to um, against against uh, opponents, according opponents. So we we wanted to emulate the bad boys and 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 steer instill that type of fear um, that that they had. Terry, man, that's a book. That's another book yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. You, you probably didn't notice, but I was in the stands sometimes. I saw them scrimmage you guys sometimes. They would say, we're going to scrimmage yeah. you of them. Three yeah. o'clock on Tuesday or whatever it was, come on yeah. by. So I would roll by and see you guys thumping each other. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That was that book. was the fun day. I remember, I remember um, Isaiah came down one time and it was game point and – you know, this is how you. This is when you realize there's another level. Nobody said the, the, the Pistons. Nobody ain't say a word. They they didn't wink at each other. They didn't. Everybody just moved, and they were in the right places at the right time, all times. Wow. And it was game time. Isaiah got the ball. Everybody just spread out. Took Jalen one on one at the top. Game winner. The next game, it was my turn. I'm like, I'm about to lock Joe up. Joe takes me on the side. I, and I, I, to this day, I still don't know how he made the shot. He's falling out of bounds, out of bounds, two, three feet out of bounds. I'm all the, all on his arm, fouling him, trying to make him miss the shot. He's still, he's strong enough to push through my arm and make the shot. And, and, and those were the uh, instances that we realized that we had to become better players or, or get to that level if we wanted to be good. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool playing against the champions like that. Had to make you. That had to make you guys, man. That had. What other team? What other college team had an opportunity like that? Not none, and we took yeah. advantage of it. And we knew it. We knew it. Um, we knew that it was it was an opportunity for us to to learn and to get better. And then we wanted to see if we really were that good. You know, let's let's put the hype to side. You know, every we. We talked a good game. Now, now we gotta, you know, we gotta play, and 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 that started the mentality. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter. The game is the game. The basketball is played the same whether you, you know, in middle school or or playing for the NBA championship. You're listening to King and Foster on NRM Streamcast. Tom Mazzoway in our studios. Terry Foster and Jimmy King. Go ahead, T. Yeah, I was gonna say what Jimmy described is. I saw that almost nightly in the NBA because when you look back, Pistons always win by six or eight or something like that. It wasn't like they were blowing folks out by 40. But there would come a time maybe in the third quarter or the fourth quarter where I would describe it as the the sweep, where they would just – everything worked well. The other team offense all of a sudden was on lockdown, couldn't do anything, and then Pistons going a 22-4 run. And then just hang on and win, and that's that's all they were 
were about, but they would have that moment where it's like, there's nothing you can do. And uh, we're just about to put you away now. That's yep. kind of the way they work. And it came from the defensive end. That's right. That's right. Yep. Defensively, um, communication, uh, they, they, they talked a lot and they were very physical. And um, I remember, uh, uh, oh my God, um, uh, Rick so Mahorn, big fella. Who? Rick Mahorn. Rick Mahorn, my man Rick. Yeah. Rick said a pick <laughs> on me. Rick said a pick on me so hard. Uh. <laughs> I swear, I st- I've never done this in a game before. I stopped. I stopped in the game and I looked at him. I was like, hey, man. Like you said a pick on me like that. Like we we can't play basketball anymore. Like the game is over. If you said a pick on me like that again, we're going to blows. <laughs> you would challenge Rick would, Mahorn? You would go after him? Uh you have to, or they will destroy you. Uh. If they feel like they can pick if they feel like they can pick on you, they will kill you. So the 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 I put it to you like this. My rule was this you get one chance, all right? Because nobody knows, so once you get once you get that one chance, now you know. So he got his chance. I let him know. After that, you decide how you want to handle it. Yeah, with Rick Mahorn, it was better just to fight him than to leave him alone. Because eventually, you're gonna have to do it anyway. He's, anyway, um, he's, exactly. That's, so that's you why you get out the way. You get it out the way first time, one time deal, no guesswork. <laughs> hey, so, so 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 after that rick never bothered me again and he always wanted to play on my team sweet sweet hey terry i want to ask you when when rick they had to let minnesota take him in that expansion draft and they desperately tried to get him back if i'm not mistaken i think jack mccloskey tried to get him in a trade he never played for minnesota he went over to philly and played with with charles barkley if if he stayed with the Pistons that year, do they they win that year? I know, but do they win the next year? Um, Rick was getting a little old. I I, I think they had an excellent shot at winning the next year. They needed Rick Mahorn from the standpoint that they could bring James Edwards off the bench and he would be fresher. Right. Um, you know, James Edwards would have probably lasted a little bit longer, but uh, the way it was set up when Rick left. James Edwards became your primary scorer in the first five or six minutes of the game, so he had to expend himself. So, yeah, they probably could have uh, three-peated Man, if now, uh, they had a trade. That's too bad that had to happen, but that that's life. Now, you also remember the Celtics kind of like dissed the Pistons, if I'm not correct on this? That is correct, yes. Um, one thing that's lost in all this is we always talk about the Pistons walking off the court against – the Bulls. Celtics did the same thing. Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, they, they just booked. But what you see is you see Kevin McHale, the only player shaking Isaiah Thomas's hand, telling him to go murder the, the Lakers or whatever. I don't think they knew they are going to play the Lakers yet, but Kevin McHale was the only one. But that's the only thing you see. So everybody assumes, well, the Celtics were classy. They wished the Pistons well. And I uh, sent him up. That's not true. Larry Bird was was halfway to Boston by the time the game was over. And in fact, they walked off. Well, I think Adrian Dantley was at the free throw line. Wow. And uh, yep. But 
Mikhail was the only one, and on the day that the Pistons walked out on the Bulls, John Joe. Sally was well. He so he was the only player to do this. So the Pistons did the same thing that the Celtics did. But we don't hear all this boo ha ha with the Celtics, but we hear it with the Pistons, and I'm still agitated years later about that. Amen. Go ahead, Jim. Well, well, um, I, I I agree. I remember that. I remember Boston uh, too, and I remember as a kid watching it and remembering why they were making a big deal out of the Pistons doing it when Boston had did it the year before, <laughs> and okay. that it didn't make sense to me. So so um, you know, I mean it. Everybody gets a turn. And again, to me, watching it as a kid growing up, I was like, that's just how it is. It's a rite of passage. If you beat or continuously beat a squad and then there's a squad trying to uh, beat you to get over the hump or, you know, to further uh, their their championship run um, in a rivalry, that's that to me that was the beauty of it that's what we wanted to be we wanted to be in those rivalry games we wanted i wanted to play in the boston la rivalry you know um the 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 piston la rivalry that was that was that was something we all wanted to play in so when i saw you know guys in their feelings quote unquote in their feelings walking off the court not shaking hands yeah i i felt that and i was cool with it and the diplomat, the the one guy who went to shake uh, the team's hand, he did it for the whole squad, and everybody's cool with that. Man, oh, I lo- I loved it I, I, as a sports fan. I I loved it. I like hate in a real in sports. <laughs> I like hate, and I don't like what 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 LeBron and these guys do now. I don't like it. I, it it, it turns feel, my stomach. Yeah. Yeah, does it? It just you know I I like and that's it. I love to see guys really you know fight, yeah. scratch and claw, and 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 then after the game, it's cool, shake hands. But during the game, like Magic and Magic and and and, and Isaiah uh do do punches, yeah, fists like landed punches, yeah. After they <laughs> kissed at the beginning of the game, they kissed at right. the beginning of the game first. <laughs> That. But to me, I loved it all. Yeah. I loved it. Loved it. Terry, go ahead. Yeah, that, that was the brother love. But I I kept uh, saying after after the Bulls, after the Celtics, after the Pistons, I'd always be in the locker room and do say, hey, can you sign my shoe? You know, they've since ball boys down and, you know, everybody was lovey-dovey and uh, stuff like that. I think that would have turned your stomach, uh, Mass. No doubt. Uh, but, but even back then, you saw a lot of love, but it was with Milwaukee and Atlanta and teams like that that were pretty good teams, but they hadn't crossed that threshold to be championship contenders. No, everybody was still, you know, a lot of people still showing the love then, even on the court. But Pistons, Celtics, Knicks, Heat, Bulls, oh, none of that. None of that. I still hate I'm I I despise the Boston Red Sox and the Boston Celtics. I despise them. They're despicable to me. I see someone with a Boston Red Sox hat on. I automatically I don't like them. I'm just some I'm just some sports fan walking around here. I can't help it. That's that's me. That's me. I know I take it too far. I take it too far. I get it. No, I love it. That's right. Draw them. Draw the land in the 
in the sand. I'm telling you, I can you run know, into someone in an elevator. Know, last year, man. <laughs> last year, I'm in, I'm on vacation in, in Alabama with the family down at Gulf Shores, and some guy walks into the elevator. He's got a Red Sox hat on. I got my Yankee hat on, and we just look at each other. I mean, we just dirty looked at each other. Next time, next time, half his mask. You gotta. Get off the elevator first and then push all the buttons. <laughs> I love that. That's good. That's good. Now, hey. Maz is that guy, that sports fan, that movie, that Wesley Snipes was a star no, player. No, I'm not him. <laughs> Maz <laughs> is the guy that would kidnap the star player <laughs> and just send him away. <laughs> that's not me. Oh, yeah. I remember no, that's no, a good no. movie. That was Bob yeah. De Niro. That was De Niro. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The fan. Yep. It was called the fan. The fan, yeah, the fan. That's called the fan. Hey, we don't have a lot of time, but I want to get back to that Jordan uh, special. Do you like how they treated Jerry Krause? I know Jerry Krause made a mistake at the end, and he said, "I'm going to break this team up." But by the time he got to that point, they were all, they abused the hell out of that guy. They showed him no respect at all. To me, I thought the Bulls were were in the wrong there. Terry, I'll start with you first. It was the way that uh, Jerry Krause was portrayed even back then. Forget the documentary. They couldn't stand the guy because he was kind of a curmudgeon. He's eating cookies all the time, and he was fat, and they made fun of him. Yeah, it was, it was over the top, but that's that's the way he was viewed back then too. So it didn't surprise me. But he's in management. But, why, why, but here's the other thing. Why is your ego so big that you've got to say, I don't care if you go 82 and 0. Yeah. This is your last year. I know. Who are you? That's not good. That, you know, I, I can't can't show him any love. But on that's that the one. owner's fault. The owner should not have allowed him to say anything like that. Well, you know, he put him in charge and so he wanted him to run the show. So I would have stepped in and said, Jerry, shut up. If he wants to come back and Jordan wants to come back, why not? It's my we team. wouldn't we wouldn't have had this documentary then. They're well, all coming back. Yeah, no, we're have a Maybe you have another ring. Maybe you exactly. do. Exactly, Jimmy. Did you ever treat anyone like that? Like they dissed uh, poor Jerry Krause? Absolutely not. That's t- it was terrible. It, it looks horrible, but it's, um, you know, if you've ever been around a locker room, you you better you, you better not be thin skinned I don't care because everybody right. is a target. Yeah. So even management, when you walk into their environment. Uh, everybody gets it, <laughs> in, in, including we, we Kraus. And, and Kraus. Huh? We used to get it from the as a media member. Yeah. You know, everybody, no, that's why I know everybody. Everybody. Yeah. My, everybody. My first few years, I was like, oh, okay, ha, 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 whatever. <laughs> and then I started saying, man, forget this. I'm not taking this shit from these guys. So I, I start that's finding right. that. That's give funny. it back. That's right. That's, and that's what it is. You got to give it back. Give it back. Oh, my God. shut up. I call Rick Mahorn to this day. I had him on last week as a guest. He answers my call. He calls me back, and he's like, Mazaway, what do you want? You know, what the hell yeah, have you great. ever done? You know, he, he abuses the hell. And I'm a, he's on the show abusing me. I'm like, you know what? It, it feels good, Rick. Keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. I love Rick. I love Rick. <laughs> Rick talks so much trash. Oh, my God. But I'll tell you what. They gave 10. I won Rick over. Uh, Rick always used to abuse the media. And uh, uh, Jay Barry, who used to work for Channel 7, uh, you know, put a microphone in front of him. And Rick said, man, you put a 7 on this. And he pointed at his dick. Yeah. And just said, you're number 7. 
So um, I was on Channel 7. They were uh, they had me imitating the players. And so I did Rick, and I just pointed downstairs and said, put a 7 on this. Yeah. And uh, my, he said, he was staying in his living room and heard that and started cracking up laughing. <laughs> Ever since that day, I was like his boy then. That's awesome. I told you the story yeah, about Bison Daly. I told you the Bison Daly story, remember, oh, in yeah. the locker room? Oh, yeah. You're a legend for that one. I am. I asked Bison Daly, uh, Brian Williams at the time, I said, uh, so what's so different about, the, you know, your first day in Detroit, you had a good game. I'm like, what's the biggest difference you see here in Detroit? And he just looks around, there's a bunch of us with microphones in, and he's like, Rick Mahorn's hung like a horse. <laughs> You <laughs> said that about John Sally. Oh my God! Yeah, hey, hold on, hold on. Now. Y'all know, look, y'all got y'all got my mom laughing now. Keep it oh, down. Uh, sorry, Mrs. King. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hey, we, we but hey. you know, during the during an interview, John Sally would be talking to us nude, and just in the middle of the interview, he points down at his penis and said, "Pretty impressive, huh?" Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, stay tuned, guys. Part two coming up. King and Foster on NRM Streamcast. Thanks to David Angel in the back. It's Tom Mazzaway in our studios in Farmington. Back with more after this.